you know, why not you? If there's, if there's a, a deal to, to be had, why not you? Why shouldn't you be the one to, uh, to bring that deal to the company? Or if there's a, you know, a problem to be solved, why not you? Welcome to From the Dorm Room to the Boardroom, a podcast where we provide insights, tips, and inspiration for college students and young professionals so they can make a really successful transition from college life to the professional world and beyond. My name is Andy Malinsky, and I'm your host. I'm also a professor of organizational behavior and international management at Brandeis University's International Business School, where we record and produce this podcast. John Hayes is the founder and CEO of Reward Stock, a travel startup that helps travelers book trips with frequent flyer miles and travel rewards points instead of cash. John comes from Raleigh, North Carolina. He's a graduate of Princeton University with a degree in economics. John was a former Wall Street investment banker with eight years of mergers and acquisitions experience at Citigroup. But then he left Wall Street to launch his first startup, Reward Stock, which is this travel site that we talked about, which was featured on Shark Tank, where John secured an investment from the influential investor, Mark Cuban. So, uh, John, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. So tell us about um, tell us about uh, your uh, current company. So let's start there. Just give us a quick sense of what your company does, and then we'll get into all this. Sure, uh, and I think you did you did uh, good justice uh, in the intro. We help travelers basically go anywhere in the world that they're trying to go uh, as cheaply as possible by maximizing the earning and use of frequent flyer miles, credit card, and hotel reward points uh, to pay for those trips instead of cash. Um, the, the short kind of uh, basic principle of it is that you can go pretty much anywhere you want to go, uh, uh, pennies on the dollar. The only cash you really need to pay is the taxes associated with that trip. The, the way that you do that is by being very strategic and, uh, and kind of planning uh, for how you can get that trip uh, um, uh, for, for such little cash. That can be difficult if you're trying to do it by hand. And we've developed some software to try to make that easier. So what's an example? Like just Can you give us, I don't know, a recent example of someone who got a really cool deal on your site? Well, and just in the last uh, uh, month or so, we've, we've helped people save over $100,000 on travel. So we've got lots of examples. But uh, a simple one is uh, we sent someone to Hawaii uh, a week or so ago. They were trying to go visit. Uh, this was uh, um, uh, parents trying to go visit their daughter in Hawaii, who's over there for school. And they were saving, you know, saving as many points as they could and also saving cash. And they thought it was going to take them another two years to get all the points that they would need to go do that trip. And they signed up for our site and uh, a few days later had uh, a trip booked to Hawaii. So, uh, and, 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 and the way that we were able to help them with that is our system helps you find ways to use your existing points that you, in many cases, are probably not aware of using some of these, you know, sort of quote, travel hacker strategies. Wow. Cool. Very interesting. So, so you didn't start out there. Uh, I read your bio. Uh, you went to Princeton, 
uh, graduated with a degree in economics and joined Wall Street. Take us through your story. So you're at Princeton. Uh, how did you get from Princeton to Wall Street? What was that like? And then we'll go from there. Yeah. So when I uh, started at Princeton, I was on a very different career path in my own mind. I thought I was going to be uh, pre-med for a while. Then I thought I was going to be pre-law. And it wasn't until I had to declare a major in my sophomore year that I that I, I kind of got into the, the economic side of, of my academic career. I uh, took an economics course, really enjoyed it. A lot of the kind of the concept of Analyzing incentives, uh, um, which is kind of foundational to, to economics, was appealing to me, and that kind of kicked off my interest in economics. So I felt like I um, was happy with my, you know, with that as a potential major. And then I started researching, well, what do people do when they graduate from college with a degree in economics? Two of the big career paths out of Princeton are uh, management consulting and investment banking. And I then joined the pre-business society, which I eventually was the president of uh, on campus. And the more I learned about investment banking, the more appealing it was. And so I started networking like crazy and uh, eventually uh, got a job offer. Did an internship, um, which is really important in in investment banking and had a really good time there. And so... uh, uh, jumped in kind of headfirst right after college. So what was it like to be an investment banker? You're there for for eight years. Uh, That's that's a decent amount of time. Did you you like it? (laughs) What was it like? I did. Yeah. So, you know, I I really was obsessed with finance when, when I started, you know, the more I started learning about investment banking, I was kind of one of those nerdy kids who would, Watched the movie Wall Street, uh, you know, and 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 quoted as I watched it. I really kind of got uh, into the whole ethos and and mentality of working on Wall Street. So I, I, I loved it. Uh, and you know, when I started out, I was a single guy in Manhattan, and you know, really just focused on trying to make a good impression at my job. So it didn't bother me at all to work. You know, the crazy hours. Um, I actually kind of thrive on the challenge uh, of being able to do something that other people find difficult or, or impossible. And, um, and in particular, when it was something that I was really good at, you know, that, that's an environment that, um, that, that spoke to me. Uh, and I, you know, yeah, you, you are correct that that's a long time to work on Wall Street. Most of my, uh, my peers, you know, that started at the same time I did left after a year or two. Um, but uh, in my mind, I saw that being a, a long-term career, and um, uh, and for a while, I, I you know, really did enjoy uh, all of the the stress and high pressure, you know, crunching the numbers and all that kind of stuff. So it wasn't until I got married and started to have you know other priorities that uh, that I started to kind of think outside of that. Can you, you know, it's funny. I, I, I've obviously never been an investment banker. I know people who are, people talk about sort of stress as you're talking about, can you, can you paint a picture just for like, you know, for people listening, you know, what's it like to be like, what's that stress like? Can you, can you maybe give an example of, 
a time that you were super stressed or someone might be super stressed in your role there? Like, what's the stress about? Can you sort of paint a picture? Sure. Um, uh, I'll give you an example of, of one deal that I worked on. So this was a deal where our client was a very large, uh, uh, very large company based in France, and we were advising on a potential uh, acquisition. And as a you know, as an analyst or associate in investment banking, a lot of what your job is consists of working in PowerPoint and Excel in Excel to build out financial models uh, where you know your analysis is what is going to drive the decisions made you know by the most senior people at these companies. So you you do all the work in Excel to figure out what the numbers are and then you basically put it all into a, a big PowerPoint presentation. And that's all you know your responsibility as an analyst or associate. And, you know, part of the stress is that every number has to be 100% accurate. And, you know, you can't have typos or anything like that because what starts to happen is, you know, to the point where you can't have like a comma out of place. Because if you do, and the CEO is like flipping through the book and sees a spelling error, then they start to question the accuracy of the numbers. And if they start to question the accuracy of the numbers, they don't trust your analysis. As an advisor, your credibility falls apart. So it's it's incredibly stressful to put together a you know a fifty page PowerPoint presentation where there is zero room for error. And on top of all of that, there's usually a very uh, tight timeline for you to produce all this work, and almost always requires you to be working at you know long hours and late hours. So in this one particular deal, we were uh, I was preparing the book for a board meeting and we, you know, found out about the board meeting and um had some some changes uh uh external changes to the scenario that we were developing that needed to be updated and run through the analysis. Um and basically we had three days to do it. Um and uh, you know, in context, that's that's a very very short time. Um, you know, normally you would want to have like a week or two um, uh, to kind of be able to make some sort of significant changes like that. So for three days, um, I worked in the office without uh, without sleep, and uh, um, I ate. Uh, I think two meals um, over that entire uh, three-day period, uh, and you know, it's I was pulling all-nighter after all-nighter, and um, I went home and showered and came straight back to the office. Uh, so that that's the kind of environment that it is. And uh, at the end of that three days, like uh, you know, we basically hit send to send the book uh, to our clients in France. And then that was the first opportunity I had to sleep was once the board meeting was over. <laughs> I can see why I started a travel website. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes you need to get away. <laughs> so, so, so actually, that's, that's a good segue to my next question, which is, you know, bring us from sort of the tail end of your time on Wall Street to, you know, to, to creating reward stock. What, what inspired you? How did you do it? 
that's a that's a serious pivot. You know, how, bring us through that. Yeah, absolutely. So um, the the genesis of um, starting the company was really around the time when I got married. My wife and I took this amazing honeymoon where we flew first class to the Maldives and stayed for eight nights in a thousand dollar a night over the water uh, villa. Uh, and you know the retail cost of that travel would have been more than forty thousand dollars if we had paid cash. And because we, you know, I figured out these strategies with uh, reward points, it actually only cost us two hundred dollars in taxes and fees. And so, um, not only did we have this amazing first class honeymoon, um, but I also kind of came away from that experience feeling like this was something that I wanted to make sure I got every time I traveled, uh, to be able to get, you know, the, the, these kind of amazing, uh, savings, but also something I thought, you know, many people in the country would want to do. and the the real epiphany was that there was nothing um, particular to me that made it possible for us to get that amazing forty thousand dollar honeymoon for two hundred bucks. It's not like my uncle worked for the airline or something like that. It was literally just planning out a strategy and executing it. And and the hardest part was the planning phase. Um, you know, looking at the different award charts for all the airlines and figuring out who would fly the routes that we needed and how many points it would cost and what different ways, you know, we could approach earning those points, which credit cards we should be using, all of those types of things. And that's all stuff that, um, if you're doing it by hand, you know, it took me three weeks to figure out even after, you know, having done this for a few years before that, but, uh, but a computer software could figure out in, you know, seconds. I felt like if we could if we could build software to do that sort of hard thinking for you, um, it would kind of democratize uh, some of these opportunities and make it accessible to people that don't have the time or patience or um, you know experience of reading travel blogs, you know, and 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 spending months of kind of time learning how this stuff all works. So that's coming back to that honeymoon was kind of. The, the moment where I felt like, you know, there's, there's, there may be something here. And at the same time, you know, I was uh, uh, many years into my investment banking job and um, starting to get to a place where my job was less, uh, less about, you know, doing the analysis that I really loved. It was more, you know, becoming more um, bureaucratic and, you know, kind of uh, more senior management type stuff. Um, and my wife and I had just gotten married, so you know we were thinking long term that Manhattan probably wasn't the the location where we wanted to put down roots, and so all this stuff kind of circled around at the same time, and um, and I kind of you know decided that if I was ever going to try something crazy like quit my job and uh, launch a startup, <laughs> that would be a good time to do it. <laughs> That's a great story. So so uh, tell us. I, I can't I can't help but ask about. Uh, Shark Tank. Uh, um, yeah. What was what was that like? Um, you know, just give us a give us a feeling for what it's like to to be on Shark Tank, and what what did the experience give you? So, so I my I, I told the story earlier about that deal where um, 
where I didn't sleep for three days uh, and how much pressure that was. Um, Shark Tank is more pressure than that. It's it's amazing how uh, intense the whole experience is, and in part because it, it you know it's a very long process. Um, the 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 first thing that happens too when 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 you when you launch a startup and start telling people, hey, I'm you know I'm building this new company to do X, if they think it's a good idea, like nine times out of ten, the the reaction or the, the response that somebody will give you in the very like early stages is, oh my gosh, that's a great idea. You should go on Shark Tank. <laughs> and um, I heard that so many times uh, in the you know in the first year or so from friends or you know friends or friends when they kind of found out what I was working on that it just I just kind of became like immune to it. I, I just dismissed it, you know, almost like by reflex, just because it seemed like such a an improbable thing and. It's not typically, you know, kind of like something that I, I would say um, is in my nature. Like, I'm not really, you know, the person who's looking for the spotlight. Uh, so, um, you know, I just kind of keep my head down and, and try to get good work done. Uh, so it, it, it was never really a real option for me, but uh, in my own mind. But one day, um, we actually got an email from one of our users that uh said you know hey i'm a i'm a casting producer for shark tank and um i love your your product and i think you should apply um and so we passed that around the office uh for a couple days as a joke (laughs) thinking that we were kind of getting you know um catfished or something like that but it was the it kind of planted the seed and I, i looked into it a little bit and eventually decided I'm not going to lose a lot by at least applying. And we had a really good response to our application. And then we got kind of moved further in the process. And that kind of kicked off this whole Shark Tank journey, which, um, yeah, like I said, I mean, the the, the best single word I can use to describe it is, is it's just intense. It's, it's not for the faint of heart. Um, you know, the, when you, when you, if you make it through all of the process, there's a, there's a ton of process. And if you make it through all of that to actually get on the show to pitch your company, um, you know, it, it's butterflies is, is, is not the term, right? I mean, I, 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 I brought four t-shirts uh, to my filming of the episode of Shark Tank. And, and the one uh, that I wore when, when the, uh, when it aired, I, I was on the fourth one because I had sweat through the first three just in, in the prep, right? <laughs> so it, it's, it is very intense. You've got, you're pitching your business, which is always, you know, uh, for founders, that's always kind of a personal thing. But you're not pitching it to just any investors. You're pitching it to celebrity investors who could have, you know, a, a, an outsized impact on your business, to put it lightly. And, you know, typically you're looking for capital that you need uh, to help grow your business. So, you know, you've got the pressure of, you know, some financial pressure. And you've also got lights and cameras, uh, you know, in your face. And, you know, you 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 realize that this is going to be something that the whole country sees. So whether you uh, do it well or, or you flop, the whole country is going to see that. And so... You, you know, it, it's just so intense to have so much riding on it, where it, 
and it's all in your hands at that point. If you do well, uh, it could be tremendously beneficial for your business. And if you do not do well, then you're, you you personally and your business will suffer the consequences. So it's just very intense. So you got a deal with Mark Cuban. Have you been, I mean, how, how involved is he? I'm curious. He's, he's surprisingly involved. Um, I mean, he's not, uh, he hasn't moved to Raleigh and set up shop in our office to, to you know, start writing code for us. But, but we, uh, we communicate about once or twice a week and, and usually by email. And he's incredibly responsive to, to email. I, I don't think that I've ever met someone who responds to email as quickly as he does, which is amazing given how much uh, you know, he's got on his plate. That's great. That's 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 actually like what you want in a partner, huh? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm very happy so far. So, um, okay, so we've kind of been through the big picture. I, I want to just ask you, based on your experience, you've had a lot of interesting experiences. What kind of misconceptions do you think college students have um, when entering the workforce, based on your experience? Yeah. So, um, one of the things that I kind of credit to my investment banking experience is that I really learned a lot about uh, professional development and you know how the workplace uh, operates. You know, because when you're an analyst, associate, VP in investment banking, you're interacting on a regular basis with uh, CEOs and CFOs of uh, and you know, sort of boards of directors of some of the biggest companies in the world, and they're looking to you for advice. And so you kind of you 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 spend time talking to them, and you kind of learn how their organizations work, and you get a really unique sort of exposure to that. At the same time, you're working for one of the largest and kind of you know prestigious uh, you know financial shops uh, in the world, and you kind of. You know, if you're doing well, you're you're moving up the ranks in in that environment. So, so, so to your question of you know what are some of the common misconceptions? One of them that um, I think that a lot of people have, and I certainly had coming out of college, is this idea that uh, that people succeed and 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 kind of progress in their careers purely based on merit. Right, like this, you know. If you just do your job well, you'll get promoted, or if you just do your job well, you'll get paid really well. And that's that's actually, I think, not true. Um, uh, it, it's true that you need to do your job well, um, but it's not a one-to-one correlation that if you do that, that you'll also get promoted or get you know advanced in your career. And it's also true that there are people who really aren't that good at their job per se, the technical aspect of their job, but they're good at other things that help them advance. And so there's, there's kind of an office politics uh, that I think most people avoid or for, you know, sort of undervalue. And you've got to be good at, at the technical aspect, but you've also got to be good at, at understanding you know, kind of how the world works and how your company works. And if you can do that, if you can at least kind of open your eyes to the fact that there's kind of more than one game being played, I think you'll be better for it in your career. Hmm. I wonder how you learn that. The the best way to learn that, and and certainly how I learned it, is by having good mentors. So you know, 
if you're if you're just starting out in, in a career, find somebody that you just connect with. I, I'm not really big on sort of formal mentor programs, um, but I'm really big on uh, sort of social mentor people that you can have lunch with, and and you know they can teach you things over lunch, and and you can kind of really take it in without having to feel kind of the, the awkward you know, mentor-mentee relationship, like if it just kind of develops naturally, that those are the people and, and, you know, you want to kind of find people who are doing really well in their career that you can relate to and that that like you. Um, you know, those are people that you can really learn a lot from and, and they can kind of teach you the ropes in, in a certain way of speaking. So that that's great advice. And I, I would agree with you on that. We're kind of nearing the end here. And this has been such an interesting conversation. I just have two more quick questions for you. Um, uh, the first is is about productivity. From what you've described, you, you've you've had to learn to be productive, obviously, to survive in that uh, investment banking environment, and then now as the CEO of a startup and so on, uh, with Mark mm-hmm. Cuban emailing you twice a week. You know how what <laughs> can you share any productivity tips? Anything you know unusual or maybe not even unusual? What 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 do you do that makes you productive? Hmm. Um. For me personally, and I, I don't know if this is great advice, but um, for me, I, I've always been kind of a night owl, and I've often found that I get my best work done, you know, between the hours of kind of midnight and 4 a.m. when it's really quiet and everybody else is at home or asleep. So from the very early days of my investment banking career, uh, you know, the having the, the sort of stamina to keep working into those late hours, uh, I've, you know, has always been an edge for me because um, I could get more done in the same period of time just by sleeping less. Uh, and you know, it's, uh, I don't, I don't assume that's a, a an easy thing for everyone to do, but um, you know, that's something that I've, I've kind of just always done. Um, I think a, a, a way to translate that, that may be more broadly applicable is, you know, you, and, and this is something that you do hear a lot from, uh, from, from CEOs or C-level folks is, you know, starting your day maybe earlier than you otherwise would uh, so that you're getting to the office at a time when it's still very quiet and you can spend a couple of hours doing work without distraction, and uh, so so that'd be one. And then and then a, a, a sorry slightly related thing is, you know, depending on what your role is. For me now as as CEO, there are and especially at, you know at a startup where we've got a small team um, and we're in such a high growth you know kind of building out phase. There are always more things on my to-do list than I will be able to do that day. Um, and I found it uh, useful for productivity to, at the beginning of my day, kind of scoping out, here are the three things that I'm going to get done today. Uh, knowing and sort of purposefully putting some of my to-do list uh, off for another day so that I can at least accomplish, you know, some subset of that list and then, you know, kind of move on to, to the next thing tomorrow. Uh, because it's, it's really a kind of a hindrance to productivity 
to have too many balls in the air at the same time. And I think it kind of leads to a lot of things not getting done completely and you know too many things getting done kind of halfway and and that's usually not the outcome that you're looking for great i like that one last question for you is uh if if you could if you could go back in time uh maybe even just as a thought exercise go back to princeton go back to the 20 year old version of yourself is there a piece of advice that you might give that 20 year old version of yourself now based on what what you've gone through what you've lived through what you know and if so what what might that be one thing that I like to tell people that I think I developed over you know, over a long period of time, but even more so, you know, kind of from the first year after graduation to, you know, the last couple of years is this idea that everything that is being done in the world is being done by somebody, a person that is, uh, you know, as human as anyone else has all the flaws of everyone else. And yet they figured out ways to do things that are sometimes pretty impressive. Right. One one of my mentors kind of put it to me in a certain way that, um, that really resonated, which is, you know, in the context of banking to not, you, you don't have to look around, look around the room for for someone to give you you know approval or permission uh, to solve a problem and and you don't have to you know sort of defer to someone just because they're more senior than you if you're you, you know have confidence in yourself that, that you're in the position you're in for a reason uh, you, you know you're a smart individual and if somebody can solve the problem you can solve the problem um, and uh, and and I think just approaching things with a level of confidence that you know why not you if there's if there's a a deal to to be had why not you why shouldn't you be the one to uh, to bring that deal to the company or if there's a you know a problem to be solved why not you uh, why shouldn't you be the one to come up with that solution so you know I think there's a it's easy to be kind of nervous or feel like it's not your place to uh, come up with new ideas when you're early in your career. Um, and I think, you know, some of that goes away as you, as you spend time, but I think you, you should also kind of just consciously understand that um, you're as capable as anyone else uh, to, to do whatever needs to be done. That's a great point to end on. Um, I really like that. And, you know, thanks so much for taking the time to, to chat with us. Um, I think everything you said is just going to be very useful and so interesting to hear. Um, how, how can listeners learn more about you or your company if, if, they're, if they're interested? Sure, yeah. Um, so our website is rewardstock.com and uh, folks can, can check us out on Facebook at Rewardstock and uh, all of our other social uh, media stuff will be on there. Okay, awesome. Thanks so much again. Thank you for listening to From the Dorm Room to the Boardroom. If you're interested in learning more about the work that I do and helping people step outside their comfort zones and transition successfully into the professional world, please visit my website, www.andymolinsky.com. That's A-N-D-Y-M-O-L-I-N-S-K-Y.com. And also feel free to email me directly at andy.com 
at andymolinsky.com with any feedback or ideas for guests for future podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Brandeis University's International Business School. By teaching rigorous business, finance, and economics, connecting students to best practices and immersing them in international experiences, Brandeis International Business School prepares exceptional individuals from around the globe to become principled professionals in companies and public institutions worldwide. Thank you so much for listening.